fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try We are thrilled to welcome on now for the second time of the award-winning, game-changing, number one ranked fantasy footballers podcast, Mr. Mike Wright. You can find him at FF Hitman. Mike, thanks so much for coming on. How you doing today, man? Oh, man. We're, we're, we're inching closer to football. Yes. So doing better than I was a month ago. I watched basketball last night, and the, yep. there was a couple, and the games were actually pretty good. I mean... Little bit sloppy, but as <laughs> I would expect, you know, the first game back. But so I got to watch some live sports. That was pretty freaking sweet, man. Exactly. Yeah. It finally feels like the world is somewhat not normalizing, but yes, a little taste but of just, something, you know. <laughs> just a, a little bit of joy is is okay to have. Exactly. Yeah, I got and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed we keep that with football this season. We'll, yeah. we'll see. But man, and, and we finally got like a nugget that actually mattered, you know, Damian Williams and you know, obviously unfortunate circumstances, but him sitting out, it's like we have some news to finally grasp to. It's been such a weird offseason. So it has been one of those weeks where there's kind of like a light finally there. I totally agree. Um, but we're thrilled to have you on, man. I just wanted to make sure before we get into this awesome interview we have planned, we're going to be talking about breakouts today. Uh, we'll talk about what that actually means, what's the definition of a breakout, all that a little bit later. Um, of course, I'm going to pick Mike's brand like I do with all the Wolves to kind of learn about his process and all that. Uh, before we dive in, I did just want to make sure to promote the Ultimate Draft Kit. If you somehow have not already gotten this, it's been out for a while and it keeps getting updated. They make it very clear what updates are coming in, which is awesome. It's only $30. And it is incredible. I mean, uh, the podcast has been great, but this tool is so good. You get the rankings, projections, tons of analysis. I love the reception, perception, exclusive, uh, you know, access to Matt Harmon's great work, some awesome research tools. I just, I'm so impressed how clean those research tools are laid out. Just so easy to digest and see such crucial information in, in the blink of an eye. So everything's so easy, digestible. Plus, if you like videos, I mean, video profiles on everybody, it's just, it's like tailor made to whatever your style of learning and, and studying is. And I love it, man. So I, anybody out there, 30 bucks, it's a steal. If you haven't already done it, make sure you check that out. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. Oh, 100%. Uh, it, it, I wouldn't say it with such enthusiasm if it wasn't, uh, you know, I can't BS and it is just an absolute gem, dude. It, it, so good. Um, but now we are going to move into that portion where we just kind of pick Mike's brain a little bit for the next like 15, 20 minutes or so, and just kind of learn about his path. You know, what, what's kind of your, your path been to this fantasy industry? Obviously you guys are huge now. And then what kind of advice do you also have for other people based on your journey? So like, how did it all happen? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, pixie dust, basically. (laughs) No, I mean, so what what happened was we all of us we we all worked together for a video game company everything started to go south uh and people were looking for new stuff andy and i had what fantasy football was the passion andy and i had done a podcast for just our league and decided to screw it let's try a podcast for everybody we were awful Mm -hmm. the podcast was terrible 
Uh, we fixed some things. The podcast was consumable. Uh, <laughs> and then the job thing really hit, and we brought Jason in and just said, how awesome would it be if we now do fantasy football full-time while everyone's looking for other work? Like the other two guys were in real estate class as I'm feeding them. You know, we I mean, in the beginning, man, we would track downloads by the hour. I would go mm. in and we'd be like, guys, we got 10 downloads this hour. We would all be <laughs> freaking out. So they did that. I'm I'm off doing music stuff, trying to make beard oil. I was just trying to figure it all out. And then we just, we, we connected with people and then, and the snowball started to go down the mountain and, and people appreciated what we were doing. And <laughs> we just kept going from there. I mean, what do you think it was that, and I, I have my answer to that question because I really love listening to your pod and the way you, you do connect with listeners, but is there a certain like way that just makes you guys that much more connectable or any advice you have? What is that kind of pixie dust that makes it so easy to connect with you guys? Do you think? Sure. It's, it's funny. Cause you know, we've talked about, uh, when we started the podcast, like it, I know it's hard for people to really remember what it was like because one, it wasn't that long ago, but it was that long ago in terms of mm. podcasting, you know, for fantasy football, you had, you had ESPN, you had CBS putting out great shows. Uh, I believe football guys, they had their podcast and there was a couple other, uh, the fantasy football guys. I mean, there's some out there, but there really wasn't a ton. Like now there are, there are so <laughs> many fantasy football podcasts, but at the time there, there just wasn't a ton of, of options that had uh, people caring about their audio, people caring about, the show being entertaining as well as bringing good information. So that was kind of the, the pillars that we built the show on those three things. Yeah. And I honestly, I feel like where people connected is just where we were able to create an authentic or take our authentic friendship where we had been friends for a decade. Now we've been mm -hmm. talking about fantasy football and we were able to translate that onto a microphone where we aren't, three people from a business that have been put into a room together or three friends who decided to do it. We get to be in the same room where like online has improved drastically. We were able to do this interview, but if we were yeah. in the same room, there would be a different energy, a different connection. True. And it's just, it's not something you can tangibly feel physically, mm. but you can feel it inside. You just know a conversation is different in the way that people can interact and react physical cues, all, all these types of things. So I think it's just that fact that we had an authentic friendship and we have fun doing the show. People like fun. Yeah. People want to be involved in fun. If you, if I'm watching some, that's what TV is, man. I'm watching people yeah. have fun on TV. So we were able to take that, you know, idea of people like fantasy football, people like fun. People also like winning. So, and we have, thankfully been help, able to help people win yeah. as well so you just you combine all that into a little little uh, porridge and i think that's kind of why people have connected so much with the show i, I do think that is a, a i mean exactly what you're saying is how, what you feel when you listen to the fantasy footballers podcast it is just some buddies talking about ball and i think that, that is probably uh, definitely the the way it separates and is so different from anything else and the energy that you guys can feel in person that it all makes total, total sense. 
And so the next question I always like to ask the, the fantasy wolves who've been coming on here is as you approach a new season, do you kind of have any routines or best practices you kind of follow you'd recommend, whether it's for player evaluations, rankings, any of that? What do you consider some routines you have every season? Uh, let's see. So the, the routines I would have, uh, you know, the, their stat stuff, like I'll, I'll make my kind of like master stat mm. sheet, but I, I do that as the season goes along. Uh, and that I, th- I think more tangible for people would be like, I have my, my master player notes doc. I make one every single year. It's always daunting when mm. February hits and you open that clean sheet and you go, Oh, I do this. <laughs> we're going to do this again. And then you push through that. And so we, you know, we're doing shoes shows all year long. So uh, as I'm building up, you know, a, a statistical argument for a player, I make sure I go put that back into my master player sheet so that I just, mm-hmm. I have everything in one location. It's real easy just to Apple F during a conversation yeah. of like, Oh crap, I forgot. I had this thing here. So, so I think that's the biggest thing is making sure you have a unified area for all your information. You're not just spread out all over the place. I hate when I miss a nugget from our show doc. It's a, the document for the actual podcast. And I don't move that over. And it's like, ah, that, that stat is now lost to the history of time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a, a great point. I've always followed something similar, even way back in like high school when I wasn't doing it for any type of show or rankings, I would just always copy the Roto world blurbs, you know, under a player's name. Oh yeah. Under there you my go. Under rankings, you know, like similar process, like you're saying, just dump it all into the, the mm-hmm. same type of place. Um, this is obviously an interesting season to prepare for, no doubt, with everything yeah. going on in the world. As we said, we finally got some some light of hope, but still, COVID-19, you have to have it on your mind. As an owner, I mean, we could obviously look at the doomsday season's canceled angle. Let's, let's kind of ignore that and assume, yeah, we're going to get 16 games. But if that's the case... Is there any way you're kind of adjusting your rankings and process because of COVID, or are you just kind of keeping it as it would be normally? It, it's just normal for me. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't even honestly I have no idea what I could possibly change about. I mean, maybe you need depth uh, right. more than it, that might be more important. But the, the, the truth is we don't know. You know, yeah. like you could have someone who's, who takes that strategy of I'm going to load up on depth. I'm I'm going to bypass a handful of real upside sleepers at the end of the draft to make sure I got my backup running backs. I have these safer guys. And then mm. we get in the season and they actually had a pretty good handle on it. And we have minimal infection spread, minimal players missing time. And then your team is this floor team compared yeah. to someone else who went ceiling and they're hitting. So I'm, I'm not. I'm not actively changing anything of my actual draft strategy. We just, we we had the discussion with our league. What are we going to do? Yeah. And we kind of went with the, the agreement of, we have two IR spots when we play you normally, I think we're five bench two IR spots. And I said, look, man, you max out that IR. We understand we have a gentleman's agreement. Two of those IR spots are for what they're for. The other ones are just, all COVID related. The second someone yeah. gets put on the COVID list, you slap them in there. You, we don't play this bullcrap game of, well, now I have to hold a player for, I don't know how long because COVID has ruined it. I, I made the the diatribe on the show of COVID has ruined enough for yeah. us. I don't, <laughs> I don't need it 
in November popping up to be this situation where I have three players that I can't possibly drop and now yeah. it's all screwed up. Like, no, man, this is just adjust the best that we possibly can and have it not minimize the negative impact that it's going to bring. It's, it's going to have an impact. We all know it will, but mm-hmm. minimize the negative impact that it can possibly have for your fantasy football team. I need to make sure my entire league mates listen to that rant because it seems like for whatever reason, they're, they're all on the fence. We have like our usual, you know, early April owners meeting. And it's like, we got to keep adjusting the rules. I get, we made rules in April, but we're dealing with a pandemic. Like nobody's ever seen this in fantasy. Like how are we being inflexible? Right. Exactly. exactly. So, So let's, let's get it, you know, together. So it's minimized. I think it's a great way to look at it Uh, in terms of just in general, you know, all the different factors can go into fantasy success, whether it's talent usage, the team and the surrounding talent around a player or the, the scheme they're all in. There's so many different things. Do you kind of weigh any of those factors greater than the other? Like if you were creating a formula of some kind, uh, man, you know, it's it starts with opportunity drives everything yeah. for fantasy football. So that's the number one thing you are trying to find is who has the locked-in opportunity, who has the path to opportunity, whose opportunity is going to rise. Like That's honestly where everything stems yeah. from. Okay, and then we get into do they have the talent to succeed? You know, like looking at the, the tight end position is – so indicative of this like we all want the big super athlete we want oj howard to succeed look because look at his measurables on paper this dude is a is a superhero he he has to hit (laughs) and as well what was his opportunity going to be and that scenario played out the bruce arians tight end narrative came to fruition and it didn't work out the opportunity wasn't there for him meanwhile you have guys like jack doyle who are ultimate dad bod dad yes. runners like but he gets a bunch of targets he gets a bunch of opportunities so it it all starts with opportunity yeah. then we'll figure out what's the ceiling going to be because we know like for that example take oj howard put him on the colts in jack doyle's position with philip rivers i think oj howard will be a better fantasy player than jack doyle mm-hmm. but jack doyle's got the opportunity so we'll start there Absolutely. And and I just want to reiterate again with the ultimate draft kit, the way you guys like visualize it's last year's opportunity, as you said, opportunity changes and we have to track those changes, but just seeing how certain players were used, whether it's the market share resource, whether it's the targets, like it's stuff you could find on the internet, but the way you guys lay it out is just, again, probably the cleanest presentation I've seen I out appreciate there. That, man. So, so that's just another way everybody kind of that question, everybody seems to start with opportunity as they should. And I still think, you know, you guys have one of the best ways of presenting it. Um, so those are some of my favorite tools from the ultimate draft kit. Are there any others that you have as personal favorites or if somebody's still not convinced and doesn't have the draft guide yet, are there other tools that you really like about the ultimate draft kit? Yeah. The, the our biggest upgrade last year was we finally had a, an app. We had gotten to the point where we were able mm. to bring in a full-time programmer he absolutely crushed it, uh, awesome. and and then the app. I mean, because we're a small company, company, so we're very nimble. It started as okay. It's going to be the app version, so that you can consume the information on mobile, which is very difficult to translate yeah. things that need a giant monitor 
to okay well it's it's just on the app and then uh, somewhere along the lines we we uh, injected a it, that you could use it during a draft not it doesn't plug in like some other people have the fancy system where it goes in but like you can track when players have been drafted in our tiered mm-hmm. rankings with or and you have your custom scoring as well but track who's being drafted highlight players so you don't forget them uh yeah. and w- that was we knew it was going to be very handy and useful but then we all threw it on our iPads and it it was fantastic man it, it made the drafting process just much easier for us that's awesome. And it does look great on mobile. I will just reiterate that too. And I live, you know, five minutes from the beach and it's been really nice to be able to just kind of have my phone out. Like I want to oh, take a break from, cool you know, flex bro live by the yeah. beach. Get out of <laughs> it's, here. It's a pretty good life. I'm not, not going to complain over here in the North shore of mass. Uh, it's not too bad. Um, and, and it's just been nice to have some great fantasy analysis that I'm not like loading a bunch of websites. I just have the app in my phone, load up the draft guide, watch a couple videos with my headphones on, you know, it's, it's been nice. great. So I, I totally reiterate all of that. And the last question before we get into this breakout feature segment, are there any other an, uh, analysts that you really would recommend, um, whether they're big guys, small guys, doesn't really matter that you just kind of consider some other wolves in the industry right now? Sure. Well, I mean, you have Scott on. It seems like you, uh, you got your oh, BFF yeah. connected with Scott Barrett. I, I love Scott. <laughs> He's uh, awesome. But JJ Zacharyson from Number Fire. He, like, he, he isn't. He's not my Sherpa that he knows of. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm really good friends with JJ now. But his back when he wrote his PDF, the late round quarterback, yes. that kind of was like this bomb that was dropped in my brain of well, maybe we need to look at things a little bit differently. So, and he's always crushing his, his podcast is, is incredible. I try not to miss it. Um, yeah, yeah but it's, it's very consumable and he, he's a yes. very analytical dude. So if you're just, if you're looking for right to the point analysis that JJ is always the guy I recommend. So digestible. And and you're like out of, I think 10 or 12 I've had on this summer. I think almost every single one is mentioned just the digestibility of his content, which is just, you know, he, he is a beast. I got to get him on. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be my next well, goal. Yeah. I'm somehow going to uh, land him. He, he'd be a blast. Great. Yeah. He's great. And check out, uh, we just relaunched our DFS podcast with our mm. editor and uh, Kyle Borgononi, who we call the Kai, the, the, the Borgogan. Or Kborg, yes. we we come up a bunch of stuff, but he's <laughs> he like people don't know him because he's a behind the scenes guy, but he is super sharp. He he helps out with uh making our show docs. He goes through, he files in a bunch of like cool stats that that we hadn't thought of yet. Uh, him and then Matthew Betts, who is a licensed physical therapist, and he's mm. so he's jumping in that you know that fantasy football injury game, which is awesome that we're seeing a rise in yeah. these doctors or you know. He's not a, a doctorate. I, I'm not, I don't want to speak out of turn, <laughs> but like people who work with injuries, analyzing yes. injuries. So we're, we're really excited that Betts writes for us and he's on the DFS podcast now. So those are two guys I would go fo- give a follow on Twitter. 
Be sure to check them out. We'll make sure to link those guys also into the show notes uh, when we produce our own show notes here for this episode. So listeners, be sure to check out the show notes, ffbdpod.com, if you want to make sure to follow all these great recommendations. Alrighty, the last couple of questions are kind of centered around the the recent shows you guys have been releasing before we get to those breakouts that we keep uh, alluding to here. I love the one. One of the most unique shows I thought I've listened to this entire offseason was where you uh, drafted, it was zero RB versus heavy RB. Mm. And you guys went head to head with two of like the biggest Twitter debate right now is, is it zero RB or do you go right. robust running back? And I loved it. I know you were on the uh, the zero, you know, running back side. Yeah, that was, and, that was the hand I was dealt. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, a- after the fact, were there any kind of big key takeaways, lessons? Like, like I'll never go zero RB. You know, what, what was kind of like your, what did you learn after that pod? Uh, well, I'll start with this. Like, so I was, I was the, the zero RB drafter and on, I, I don't know, uh, like I, this isn't a strategy I have ever implemented in one of my drafts. You know, I know of it because Sean Siegel started it. Sean Siegel from Rotoviz. I mean, he, you want to talk about another sharp, like, See when Siegel's yeah. talking, like I'm like I I don't understand what you're saying. You're just you're too smart. <laughs> uh, he was just on with uh, Pete Overzet, and yeah. and it was an incredible. It was like an hour and a half, and I'm like this this dude is unbelievable. But anyway, yeah. so I don't know how if he would have approved of the implementation I went with because I ended up taking a running back in the fifth round or something like that mm-hmm. or six because Raheem Mostert was there and it was like yeah the RB draft for him is like, I can't pass up what has just <laughs> happened here. Uh, yes. I mean, the takeaways were that it, both are, both are very valid ways of drafting. Um, he, I, I favor the getting the running backs this year, the, the heavy mm-hmm. RB in the early rounds. And I don't know, you know, when we get to actual draft time, how sustainable is that going to be with, if everybody is doing it because, because then your tiers of running back is going to eliminate much, much quicker. Meanwhile, all of a sudden you're like Julio Jones is there in the second round, or I can get a tier three running back. So that'll yeah. be a, that'll be a difficult thing. Once, once the real draft is actually happening and I'm talking mm-hmm. about like my home leagues. So, it, but the, the heavier RB has been my preferred route for the, yeah. the drafts I done like Scotty fishbowl, some eliminators and other things like that. Totally agree. I'm, I'm definitely on team heavy RB, but as you say, I think it's, it's tough to just lock in a mindset too. As you're saying, if Julio Jones is there mid second, like I, I, I wanted to go heavy RB. I understand that receivers deep this year and I could right. find guys later, but yes, you gotta have that flexible mindset too. I, I totally yes, agree. But yeah, I do find myself often going, honestly, three running backs in a row to start a lot of drafts as long as there's a flex. Because getting those bell cows, it's just there's something about it. They're they're the best. There's nothing better than a good bell cow. <laughs> That's um, true. I, I feel like the last time I had you on, it was a couple of years back, and we were it was Saquon. It was a rookie that year. We're, we were mm. both kind of salivating over the future of the bell cow position and, and how he was going to just add to that. And, and clearly, that that worked out too. Yeah, he came through. Yeah, he certainly did. Um, and the last question about the pods, recently you guys have been doing kind of divisional breakdowns, um, which has been, again, I, I love that series. You guys seem to do um, every year. Did you have like a single, whether it's a single division you enjoy diving into mm. or like a big takeaway that kind of just stood out after you've been going through all these, what, what would you say, either a single division or the biggest takeaway so far? 
Uh, well, it was pretty fun. I don't think we did it on the first division, but then we started uh, giving the record for teams in a one score game. And Ooh. it is really wild. We, we know that the margin of victory in the NFL, we, we, you know, naturally know that it's a lot. And the one score stat isn't something we came up with. It gets mentioned a lot, but when you really start highlighting it for every team that, yeah. that uh, thin layer between they were an early draft pick and being a playoff team for so many of these teams <laughs> is just so paper thin. It's unbelievable yeah. how close teams really are. Cause you, you start to get jaded of like, oh, this team, they suck. They always suck. And then and then you realize, oh, well, they were two and eight in one score game. So they one the ball bounces the right way, right. you know, two times in these games, and all of a sudden they're a winning team. So the, that was pretty yeah. wild when we were breaking that stuff down. Absolutely. it's That is a great point and something that's really entertaining to listen to with those as well. Well, at this point, let's move into the, the featured segment here, the breakouts. Let's do it. Um, and I feel like there's so many different terms kind of tossed around in fantasy, you got your sleepers, your values, your busts, um, that, that sometimes the lines can get blurred if you don't clearly define sure. them. That's one thing I do like about the draft guide is you guys say, this is what we're looking at in this um, exact position. These are the players you're going to find here. So in kind of your eyes, what is, what is the definition of a breakout? Sure. A breakout for fantasy football to me is a player that, takes a jump like they can either be uh a a non-factor for fantasy purposes and they become a wide receiver three you know like that's not the the breakout that people are looking for but to me that Mm -hmm. is a breakout it's just it's somebody that is going to take a step up in tiered value and generally you're predicting like at least a couple tier jumps for this player Absolutely. Um, and, and as you, in the guide too, you guys say it's often becomes like the next fantasy darling. You're looking at like the Godwins, the even Dalvin Cook, right. you know, round two running back becomes a was, top that five. That was still the next a tier year. jump. Yeah. Still, still a big tier jump. Right. So there's, there are different layers to it. But yeah, that, that fantasy darling term, someone that's like not necessarily a sleeper, not just a late round guy, but, but somebody that could have been an early guy that just takes that next leap. So th- these guys could come from all over the draft as we're talking. Um, we're going to go position by position and just kind of give a pick for each one. We'll start at the top with quarterbacks. Who's your favorite right. breakout quarterback for 2020? It's Kyler Murray. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's Look, it's not just me that's that's touting Kyler Murray, but he it he's still the my favorite to be the, the breakout where I don't like – Generally speaking, I don't like to take a quarterback in the early rounds, but Mm -hmm. I think Kyler Murray will have a good opportunity to finish as a top three quarterback, a top. He can can finish as the number one guy that's in the range of outcomes to me for Kyler Murray, and you're not drafting him in the second round like uh, Lamar and and Patrick Mahomes. So I like Kyler Murray. You know, you have – last year he was, I mean, he was already good for fantasy purposes. Yeah. He came through as a rookie, which is a very difficult thing for rookie quarterbacks to do, but he has the, the, the unfair advantage of, of being able to run, you know, over 500 yards on the ground, mm-hmm. which is nothing compared to Lamar Jackson, but 500 right. yards is a lot because you can look at the fact that he runs and had pretty good yardage through the air. We have only six quarterbacks, who have thrown for over 3,500 yards and rushed for over 500 yards. And Kyler is now on that list like that. And it's guys that were great for fantasy Randall Cunningham, Culpepper, Russ, 
Watson. Like these really heavy hitters. Uh, he had a three point seven touchdown rate or three three point seven percent of his attempts turned into touchdowns. That's very low. If if you're not uh, if you're not familiar with that stat, that's unbelievably low. The average of quarterbacks with three hundred attempts four point seven. Like so, you're talking about a a very positive regression for Kyler Murray in the touchdown area. And then you have since the year 2000, this is similar to the, the 3,500 yards, but it's only two quarterbacks since the year 2000 have run the ball more than a hundred times and thrown the ball more than 500 times. Cole pepper, who was the QB one that year, Cam Newton was the quarterback four. that's in the range of outcomes for Kyler Murray and the Arizona pace of play that we saw it there. They talked about it all off season speed, speed, speed. They came out. They are, they're running plays like absolute maniacs turning David Johnson into a, a fantasy stud for the first eight weeks before yeah. he evaporates. <laughs> I, I just, I like Kyler Murray in that taking the second step. Oh yeah. He also has Deandre Hopkins. Now. <laughs> exactly. I think all those points are all completely valid, completely fantastic. I mean, just the positive regression, even if there weren't any real changes was already in line, as you said. It, it just also, too, the second year in the system, the air raid, yes. this new offense, Cliff Kingsbury's first time ever as an NFL coach. It's always just that kind of second year. You, you see those leaps so many times it happened. You know, Mahomes didn't really play much as a rookie, but, you know, Lamar, Mahomes had a little bit of experience. And then, you know, the second year where the game simplifies, then you add in, as, as you said, DeAndre Hopkins. Kind of the, Maybe that was why the air raid didn't necessarily hit its peak because they didn't have that true go-to guy uh, you know, contested situation or broken plays where he could just legitimately chuck it up. I love Larry Fitz. I love his career, but at this stage, he's clearly on his back nine. And Kirk's a great, in my opinion, number two. But that, now that they have all of these guys, plus he was also hurt. Kirk Kirk right. had a an ankle problem for the majority of last year. Exactly. So now a healthy Kirk drawing yeah. secondary coverage and not first coverage because Hopkins, I mean, that offense could be extremely tough to stop. Kenyon Drake as well. You know, some yeah. of Murray's best games came once Drake was in the offense. So everything does seem to be really lining up, uh, just naturally was due for a step forward. And now all these other great pieces added around a couple line improvements too. I- I'm fully aboard the breakout train. I think a lot of people are, uh, but it- it's still, it's, it doesn't mean it's wrong because you know it's, it's a great call um yeah my, we all loved godwin last year and, and it was right we, yeah. we, and we didn't love him enough it turns out and i could totally see that being the case with kyler it's like yeah we all knew he was going to break out but then the next year he's going in like round two kind of like the lamars and mahomes right um i i totally agree with that i think it's a great call my pick this year it's kind of a guy who had a, a mini breakout a few seasons ago is carson wentz um Ooh, you know all right so you're gonna have I, to I, talk me into this one Oh, you are you a Wentz uh, hater over there? Okay. No, I am. I am a Wentz meh. Yeah, meh. It's just like okay, <laughs> he's yeah. there. It's so to me. It's it's all starts with the revamped weapons. I mean, this guy was the the quarterback nine last year, throwing to uh, no receiver, top five hundred yards. So I mean, legitimately right. nothing there out wide. And you look back at 2017, he didn't have a ton either when that happened, but the key difference I see with that offense and what we've seen the last two seasons was he had somebody that could really lift the lid, Torrey Smith, who's nothing special, but he at least commands the the deep ball attention. He kind of opens everything up for the, the tight ends and everyone. Last year, they just... 
could play so tight to the line defenses and really just kind of take out without having that real vertical threat. I mean, Greg Lewis was his like number one receiver for the last half of the season, last quarter of the season there. So now you, you add Jalen Rager, you, you have Deshaun Jackson, ideally healthy as well. That is speed, speed, speed. That is plenty of lift. Uh, lid lifting ability right there. I just think the whole kind of offense opens back up. They've already talked, you know, Howie Roseman about the, the reason they targeted speed over Jefferson when addressing, you know, why Rager over Justin Jefferson was it just, we want to get back to those big plays attacking vertically. And, and Wentz does throw a great deep ball when he's got the ammunition there. I mean, he was on pace for 41 touchdowns that year over those 13 games uh, in those 13 games. Only one time was he not top 12. Uh, he was six over 60% of the time he was top five and he was top two in, in four of those 13 games as well. So there is like, there's a kind of like Wentz is this floor guy and there's not a real ceiling. He's kind of a May guy, I think is what a lot of people see him as. But to me, now that they're going to have all the pieces to operate the offense as it was just a few seasons ago and we saw what he was doing, I think we see him break back out to those levels uh, and a lot of people aren't aware of it. Well, all right. <laughs> Decent case, or is that uh, you yeah, still no, like, no, eh. no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Like, it's <clears throat> yeah. So the what's hard for me on the going with that, and it's not that it's an incorrect uh, analysis or anything. It's you if you're betting on Carson Wentz, then I am now. I'm betting on the weapons instead of betting yeah. on the player. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, dude, Deshaun Jackson is one of my favorite late route picks it's it's insane what he could do what you saw him do in one game with with Carson Wentz but he does get hurt a lot he's still returning Mm -hmm. from the injury Jalen Rager is a rookie love the prospect but NFL talent scouts they miss a lot uh so you're betting on Rager which like I mean it's a a fair bet you're betting on Alshon Jeffrey who's probably going to start the season on the pup that's that's all i'm saying of i don't know if i want to make that full bet on the eagles wide receivers and i could look the fool absolutely uh by this time next year there are a lot of warts with those guys Uh, none of them are locks to stay and i did feel even better when marquis goodwin was a part of it i know he's opted out since because i was like okay there's three potential lid lifters now here. And that has been list, you know, down to two now. So it is a little more worrisome. If the other two don't pan out, then this pick is, is, you know, washed. And Wentz also has some injury concerns himself too. So there, there certainly are some warts with him. Uh, I just really hope at least one of them to shine. Like you said, that first week with Deshaun Jackson, that was Wentz's best game of the year. He yeah. had, didn't reach those fantasy totals again. So if just one of those two Rager or, or Deshaun Jackson could pan out and imagine both do, then we're really talking about an offense that could cook. Um, What about running back? Probably the most important position Mm. in fantasy. And especially when you find that guy who takes the leap into the next tier, who are you thinking for a breakout running back this year? So man, I don't want to just keep running back the Cardinals. uh, Since we had Kyler. So I really like Drake. My my favorite stat for the Arizona Cardinals running backs is if you were able to predict the starter for the team, which was grantedly very granted very difficult some of the times. Like yeah. when they say Dan, the that David Johnson's health, he's going to go, and then Chase Edmonds rips off a, a monster game. But <laughs> the starting running back for Arizona turn was the running back three overall, mm. and it's Kenyon Drake now. So they gave him like ten million bucks 
And they were doing that before they even knew they were going to be able to trade David Johnson away. They yeah. had made the commitment that Drake's going to be back. Drake's going to be the, the guy. Uh, he, he projected out much lower than I thought he was going to, you know, when it was just the off season of I'm ranking guys, Kenny Drake's going to be top 10, you know, and, and I think he actually sits like number 14 in my projections right now, which I don't like. I feel like that is, mm. is, is much too low. So uh, I, along with Jason, so Jason on the fancy footballers is probably Kenny Drake's number one fan and has been since the beginning of time, you know, since, <laughs> since he was drafted, but I, I don't see, I don't see a world where Kenny Drake fails. So let's put it that way. Yes. Injury. Look, I'm not, I'm not doing that crap. Everybody can get no. hurt. Right. I'm saying on the field, I don't see a way that Kenyon Drake can truly fail you in terms of performance. I don't see a world where all of a sudden Kingsbury says, well, Chase Edmonds, Kenny Drake, 50, 50. Like I just don't see that happening when you consider they traded for him in the middle of the season. And then he was immediately the guy and right. was immediately awesome against San Francisco. One of the toughest rush defenses uh, in the league at that point. So I, I really like him and uh, and I'll throw out Josh Jacobs as well. I, I know there's a question coming up. That's probably going to be answered Josh Jacobs as well, but uh Jason had, uh, I brought, we were talking about Michael Gallup and how I, it's bizarre to me how undervalued Michael Gallup is right now mm. because they drafted CD lamb. I get it. They, they wanted to, they took the best player on the board. He's still a rookie and there's still 160 targets that were vacated between Randall Cobb and Jason Witten. Like there's room for CD lamb to come in and Michael Gallup is still awesome. But the, yeah. the stat I looked at for Gallup was the hit rate, of sophomore wide receivers who hit 1,100 receiving yards is unbelievable. If you have if you have the time and you know how to use profile, Pro Football Reference, go check it out. It's a it is a murderer's row of yeah. just absolute studs who hit this hit this threshold. Jason took that and looked at the threshold of rookie running backs that hit 1,100 rushing yards their first year, and his biggest takeaway from that was you see generally a massive target increase for that running back going into their sophomore year. Cause that's everything for Jacobs. Will yeah. he get the targets? He has the ability. Will that opportunity, like I was talking about opportunity drives everything. Will the opportunity of targets really open up for Josh Jacobs? It should. It's it's we're, we're falling into the rational coach trap that it should, but we have history now that shows that, like it's, and I think it's just if a running back is good and they're on the field and they're producing, they just start getting involved in other aspects of the game. There's a couple busts, you know, like Jeremy Hill, who was awesome his his rookie year, and then just yeah. got Thanos snapped into the universe. <laughs> uh, but so th those are the two guys I want to throw out as I really believe in them breaking out at uh, f from you know like those second round picks who you could be talking about as a top five pick next year. I love both calls and particularly, I really love the Drake one too. I mean, the running back four for that section of time when he was with that second half of the year with the Cardinals. So right. already a glove like fit. And that's why I love the point about the, uh, you know, they invested a lot in him without even knowing they'd have 
gotten rid of David Johnson's exorbitant contract. And now you add like, I mean, it's a touchdown machine already, but if, you know, the Kyler Murray blow up happens that we were just talking about. Right. His offense takes that next step. I mean, the guy was already on pace for, I think, a touchdown a game right about there. And in this case, the offense gets that much more explosive. Like, there's real 15, maybe even 20 touchdown upside there. So I think that is fantastic. And they've talked the Raiders all offseason about upping that workload for the pass game. I mean, they brought back Richard, they drafted, you know, Bowden, but. Why would either of those guys, you know, rationally yeah. keep a Josh that, Jacobs? That's off what I'm the saying. Where we we <laughs> exactly. fall into the rational coach trap. Exactly, we, it, it happens every year. But I, I, I believe in Jacobs. I believe that the targets will. They're they're not going to be what we think they should be. But it won't be the garbage that he got last year. Right. Even just a slight uptick because every rushing metric, I mean, that dude checks all the different boxes, yes. yards after contact, everything. He's and he beast. is a good receiver. He was a great receiver in college. Like, it's not like he's incapable. And, and my pick, it, that's why I love this kind of group of running backs because there's so many potential breakouts. And another one in there, Austin Eckler, I mean, one, just the, the picture the that's, other day. That's my dude, man. That picture of him, holy crap. Like there just seems to be shades of the Christian McCaffrey, whereas the coaches talk about a committee coming into it. And then you see a picture of the guy looking completely yoked out of his mind, getting ready for just that full workload. If, and when it happens, and man, when he gets the full workload, like there, there's no one better. I mean, he only trailed Christian McCaffrey for those four first four weeks when Melvin Gordon was out and now Melvin Gordon's removed completely. And I, I get the, you know, they talk up Jonathan Jackson, they draft Josh Kelly in round three. I, I think Austin Eckler is just going to prove I'm too good to take off the field. Even if you put these guys in, they already said, we'll split him out wide. We'll put him in the slot. He is such a versatile, just crazy threat that if we get that crazy workload, he was getting, for those first four weeks. And again, I don't see why you wouldn't. The offense seemed to hum better, honestly, when Melvin Gordon was out and Eckler was the the featured back. You know, 39.4, the RB2 first week, 23.3, the RB4, 15.1 is lowest total, RB18 still solid, and 29.2, the RB4 for those first four weeks. And there is a very real scenario that that just plays out all year. And yet he still falls to oftentimes late round two because he's pigeonholed as just a receiving back and you know, he can't get it done. Well, hopefully that picture kind of woke people up. This guy is yoked. He could handle 20 touches a game if, if they so choose to give it to him. And I think he'll thrive. So I, I want to bet on that kind of upside scenario that Eckler does get the work I think he deserves. And I think a lot of, like you said, everybody thinks he deserves, uh, you know, I, I totally love Eckler to take that leap and be a top five running back in a lot of leagues next year. And as a later guy, cause I know we've talked a lot about the second round tier. That's going to be tricky to sift through this year. I actually do auction yeah. drafts and my, my strategy coming in is like, I want three of those guys because everyone will blow all their money early on on the, the Dalvin cooks, the Henry's, the McCaffrey's. I hope I'm kind of sneaking, just snipe three of those guys. Um, yeah. the, maybe the three guys we just talked about, I would love that to, to roll in. But in terms of a later breakout, I, you, you mentioned Mostert earlier as you're kind of zero RB guy. I, I think that could have worked out pretty nice for you. Finally, that the contracts kind of resolved and he's got some incentives to now earn. He's not going to be disgruntled with the team. He's going to be motivated to get to all the money he can. He is just as glove-like of a fit as you can possibly ask for that Shanahan scheme. He sees the hole so well. Once he sees it, he zips through. And I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. There's been so many no names that have made monsters. I mean, Mostert kind of being the latest example for that last stretch of the year where he was the running back eight in fantasy. 
once he kind of finally started to get the work there, I wouldn't be shocked if he kind of, you know, all it takes is 10 to 12 touches in his game splits. If you use that awesome tool on Rotoviz where you can check out, you know, how someone does when they get certain workloads. Right. I, I looked at, you know, only nine carries a game. And he was at on pace for 250 fantasy points on any time he's gotten nine carries or more. That would have been the running back six last year. I, I just don't see, and especially with, you know, Breida now gone to how he doesn't see 10 to 12, maybe McKinnon comes back. Uh, but to me, there's just a lot of upside for a guy that falls to, you know, six, sometimes, sometimes even seven. If you get that, Shanahan gold mine and you can go after it that late mm-hmm. I, he's a polarizing guy are you on team Mostert or are you kind of against him I am I'm on because he if you this is why you track fantasy football year round like Mostert mm-hmm. was a was projecting early on to be a fourth round pick because he still had the buzz of the end of the season he still had the buzz yeah. of the playoffs carrying his draft price and it was like, wow, man! I don't fourth round. That's you got to leave some some room for error that you're wrong on these players that that like Tevin Coleman gets far more work than you're anticipating mm-hmm. than you're projecting. You got to leave that margin. And in the fourth round, it felt like that margin was just not there. And it's, it's been wild to watch him drop. Do you're right? I've seen him going in the sixth round sometimes now, and it's yeah. well, yes, okay, now I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of what the upside of Mostert could be, even if even if Tevin Coleman gets some more some more work, six round, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely good with it. Love it, and and moving on to the pass catchers now, the the breakout wide receivers every year. You know, we saw Godwin, like we already alluded to last year. There's always a, a handful of wide receivers that just explode up, and, and you know, the next year you're seeing them going round two, or again, whatever the the relative breakout is. Who are a couple guys you have on your list, or one or two uh, receivers that you see taking that next step, that next tier jump? Sure, I, my I really like Ridley and uh, McLaurin. As yeah. as breakout wide receivers, Jason would of course say Hollywood Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I get it. I, I get what people see in Hollywood Brown. Is that's that's a tougher one for me to project. But for me, McLaurin was, I mean, one he was awesome as as a rookie, and most people missed on uh, on McLaurin. And I think a lot of that had to do with Kelvin Harmon because you have we we go into you know, the dynasty people we go, we have our rookie ranks going into the NFL draft. And then the NFL draft generally takes your rankings for the most and then throws it in a paper shredder and just destroys you. But you like, man, but I believed in these players so much. And Kelvin Harmon's one of those guys that a lot of people loved as one of the top wide receiver prospects. I mean, it's the same thing, same story with uh, Hakeem Butler. I mean, I mean, you know, King Butler was awesome in college that, yeah. and dynasty. We all were like, well, this guy will be a top five wide receiver. He's and then completely tanks falls in the draft becomes nobody. Uh, but the people liked Calvin Harmon. And I think Washington took him in like the fifth round. Meanwhile, they took Terry McLaurin in the third round. And there was unfortunately some, just th- the missing of, they took McLaurin in the third round. Like they, yeah. they value him. They don't value Kelvin Harmon anywhere close to what they value McLaurin. And then it was okay. Let's let's dive back in. We weren't expecting a ton from McLaurin. And then you go, oh, this dude is really freaking fast. Yeah. Okay. And let's look at 
Okay, he's got a pretty solid production profile. I overlooked McLaurin. My bad. Let's pick him up as a late round pick and then just goes Hamburglar in week one with Case Keenum. <laughs> now I get that people are a bit worried about Dwayne Haskins, which is fair. Dwayne Haskins in his first few starts, Haskins looked really bad. Now he did improve as as the season went along. And what's funny is you actually look at the splits of before Haskins was the full-time starter with McLaurin and after his average, his, his splits are like the same, yeah. like I mean, yeah. his touchdowns, the touchdowns are down. I won't, I won't lie about that. And that's because Haskins wasn't as good as the quarterback play he was receiving, but receptions per game, the same yards per game, right around the same. You, yeah. So we shouldn't let the idea that Dwayne Haskins is the starter scare you off of Terry McLaurin and that like that's reflected to me in the draft price of Terry McLaurin because it was like he was such a stud as a rookie wide receiver. People are so scared of Haskins. And and my analysis is even if he was even if Haskins is as bad as he was last year, McLaurin's still gonna be good. Right. Okay. What happens if Haskins is a little bit better? Mm-hmm. That's that's an uptick for for Terry McLaurin's ceiling. And then, and now we have like the, the Hail Mary of all Hail Marys. What if Alex Smith is the quarterback for Washington, which mm-hmm. a year ago, it's impo- like, is impossible. You know, Alex Smith is on dynasty waiver wires because the dude had yeah. an injury that people, you don't come back from that injury. Like they, they mm. said he almost died. Yeah. And look, I'm, and, and I'm not here to judge whether or not the man should go back to football, but he wants to. So yeah. go play football, young man. And like Alex Smith is very, very good. Just saying the, I don't think Alex Smith is going to start having th- say, th- talked about this. We're just going to throw out some narratives. My point is simply, I think the quarterback play will be better for McLaurin than people are projecting. And they're letting McLaurin slip in the drafts for a dude who was just absolutely awesome. And how about this? What if McLaurin gets better too? Right. I mean, imagine that world. So I, I, I like McLaurin to take that next step to really be a breakout, even though he kind of broke out. But by my definition of breakout, take another tier jump up for fantasy. I think he's a fantastic call. A lot of, again, smart wolves that have been on this show. It seems like everyone's aligned on this guy, and yet his his price but the remains. But doesn't reflect it, yeah. It, I don't get that. I don't get why the, the all these great minds are building a positive drumbeat for him, and he's still getting taken as the wide receiver 26, which he finished as in the worst-case scenario last year, as you just highlighted. Like, all these different – like, if you just took him there and he finishes there, great. But there's so many different positive narratives that could bend the right way. Haskins has been working his ass off all offseason, his lowest body fat he's ever hurt. You know, is if he does take that seven, he was really good in college. And, and these two are together in college too. Right. I mean, there, there's definitely some interesting narratives. Now you get away from that Bill Callahan interim, you know, run-centric, just like old-school offense, and you bring in Scott Turner. We don't yes. know exactly what that will look like, but a, an Air Coriel system, if you follow follows what his dad did. I mean, you saw all the seasons that Vincent Jackson and Josh Gordon, who Scott Turner was the receivers coach in Cleveland for that one season where he blew up and lit up the world, uh, led the league in receiving. I mean, he knows how to use a long, fast guy. I I really think with no competition really added, only removed because Calvin Harmon, we we were talking about, gets hurt. 
I, I mean, yeah, Antonio Gibson, some like, you know, gadget players will yes. get their manufactured touches, which I love. I like it. I, I like him a lot. I don't think that comes at the expense of McLaurin at all. Uh, I, I totally aboard this one. I, I think he could definitely light up football and at his price, it's crazy. Right in that range, a guy I love is DK Metcalf. I mean, it's pretty easy to love a guy that is built at like the, you could have drawn up, you, you can't even draw up how great this guy's yes. specimen. It's just ridiculous. You can't draw that many muscles. Exactly. It made in a complete <laughs> lab. And he just, I think, showed he can run a lot more routes than people were giving him credit for last year, uh, especially in the playoffs. You see him set the records there for the, the playoff. It seems he really found his groove. Now, is he always going to be strapped to a run-heavy attack that just never fully lets Russ do his thing? I hope not. I mean, God, that if that offense ever just unleashed Russ in a way that you know Andy Reid uses Mahomes, the results would be crazy for Metcalf and Lockett. So there is that ceiling narrative they've talked about using more no huddle, pushing the pace a little bit more. You know, Carroll always says those type of things to get us excited and never really comes to yes, his promise. But even if not, I mean, this guy is just the definition of a freak athlete that, I, I mean, even on the limited volume, he already showed really well as a rookie. And I wouldn't be shocked. I love Greg Kosel uh, over at Fantasy Points. And he kind of ended his film breakdown of him after listing out, you know, this guy ran this route that nobody said he could. This guy did this and this. He asked at the end, you know, why can't this guy be Julio Jones if he sees the volume? And he has all the tools if he keeps taking another step, you know, like, and that's a guy I really trust and like the other one was DJ Moore. I had listed again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Round three, early four, but in that Joe Brady offense, that's all about speed and space, get the ball in their hands and let them do their thing. Teddy Bridgewater, now a much better quarterback. I mean, this guy lit it up already last year with Kyle Allen throwing him the ball. And I don't think Bridgewater is this ridiculous talent, but I think the offensive scheme coming in is perfect. He's much better than it's okay to say that he's better than Kyle Allen because he's better than Kyle Allen. A huge (laughs) jump above, even if he's not great himself. Exactly. Uh, So to me, I just see DJ Moore taking that next step, you know, going towards that three, four turn, but then coming in next year, like I, if he led the league in receiving yards this year, I wouldn't even be shocked because of just how great this offense is going to be for the skill set he brings to the table. So those are a couple of guys I see leaping to the next tier. It seemed like you were kind of in agreement with both of them. Yes. Yes. Yep. I like nice. both those guys. Excellent. And wrap it up here now with, uh, you know, the tight end position. There's certainly been some interesting breakouts the last few years, Mark Andrews being the most recent. Do you have a breakout tight end that you love for 2020? Oh, come on now. You know, you know, it's Blake Jarwin. (laughs) (laughs) If, if anybody follows me anywhere, Yes, in fantasy football, I should have known. <laughs> you, you know that I'm. I look. I'm pushing Blake Jarwin. I've I've pushed my chips in, and uh, they're all in on Blake yeah. Jarwin. Uh, like tight ends don't they don't have to have draft capital. Uh, like and like as well, like they don't have to be first round picks to come through. Tight ends take time to develop, and you, I've just. I've seen enough flashes when I'm watching Blake Jarwin to go, man, if that dude had an opportunity, Mm. I think that he would really be able to get it done. What do we have here for Blake Jarwin? A massive upper opportunity upgrade here. 8.9 yards per target for this team where they've been dealing with Jason Witten at (laughs) 6.4 yards per target the last two years. And the, 
and Dak would still target him all the time because Witten is there on the field. You have Dak, who almost hit 5,000 passing yards last year in uh, one of the best offenses in football. Yes, there's a lot of talent on there, but there's a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns to go around with that. I guess I mentioned how, you know, Cobb and Jason Witten, that's 166 targets that are gone from this team that it maybe, maybe it doesn't hit. It made me the, maybe the passing volume goes down, but let's say, Oh, now there's 120 targets that need to be filled. And Blake Jarwin was still on the field, you know, last year, like he was still involved in that process. So if we can get him up to the, the volume of work that Jason Witten was getting, you're going to have a usable tight end for fantasy. Who's going essentially undrafted in most home leagues since the year 2000, he is one of seven tight ends to have a game of a hundred yards and three touchdowns, a hundred or more yards. And like, that's what I mean of the, when I was talking about Jack Doyle, like, can Jack Doyle hit a game of 103? No. I don't know. This, and here's the part where I forget that he's actually on the list. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I look like a buffoon. Uh, but the point is, like, not many guys, when given the opportunity, can really do that. And, on, and then on top of that, they gave Jarwin the bag. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't – it's not an elite bag, but – yeah. This is this is a tight end that they've said you're the future, you're the starter for this team. You're going to be on the field for uh and and they uh like, like I said the offense is just is incredible. The, the shift that happened last year and they've kept the same team the, the same uh the same scheme intact even though they're going to go with Mike McCarthy for some reason mm-hmm. as the head coach, but for a for a guy that costs nothing in the draft of what I believe Blake Jarwin could could become. He's just he's an auto smash every time I'm in a draft. I, I don't see any reason to argue that one. I mean, I, the the argument is always too many mouths to feed, but when the pie is as big, you can still get a small slice, and it's still enough to fill you up in fantasy, especially the type of volume he could see. You know, this offense is not going to come off the field without points all too often. I don't know how you defend this offense. So when he's drawing like the fourth best coverage and he's as athletic as he is. I I love it, especially how often I think they're going to be in the red zone. And we know him and Dak have some of that chemistry already established in the red zone area. There's even if it's only, you know, 600 yards at the end of the day, because the the pie is spread out, there's still nine, 10 touchdowns that could come with that. And that tight end, what else do you want, especially when it's going that late? So I think that's a great pick. And I think in general, there's a ton of breakout tight ends this year. Uh, It's probably why I'm going to wait on the position a bit. I love Jonu Smith in Tennessee. You know, Gusecki's a freak athlete. Uh, Noah Fant, all these interesting names. The one I find myself landing, although his price is starting to really creep up, I don't know if I'm going to yeah, keep he's going in, the top in where 10 it is. Now. Yeah, Hayden Hurst, now a, a top 10 tight end in ADP. I loved him when he was like tight end 16 and kind of just hovering in early drafts. Uh, but even at tight end 10, I wouldn't be shocked if this guy still beats that price, which would be a hefty ask. But I love that cutter scheme for for tight ends. We saw it. With the Buccaneers, I mean, we saw it last, you know, it, it just works out so well. We saw it last year with Austin Hooper. We saw it with Tony Gonzalez for years when Cutter was there before. And he just, you know, he, somebody asked him about that. He's like, how do all these tight ends just keep breaking out? He's like, I'm the first to admit that I like tight ends was his actual answer to it. So he's not hiding the fact that he schemes a lot of his offense 
to the seam stretchers. They, they, you know, lose Hooper and they go out of their way to make sure they get a guy that could potentially fill that. Yeah, void. They traded a second for him. A hefty draft capital. I mean, yes. that's not, you're not giving that up without having some very clear visions and, you know, Hearst has been driving up from Florida to work out with Matt Ryan all off season. So that shows kind of his commitment to really taking that step. Ryan's already kind of raved about it saying, I, you know, I love that he's that willing to put in such an effort to get to that great level. He's got this great speed, great athleticism, wants to be a great player, mismatch problem, maybe the most athletic fastest tight ends I've ever played with. That's pretty high praise for a guy that played with Hooper, played with Gonzalez and has maximized those guys throughout their career. So even as this price tends to creep up, there's still a ton of upside because he's just going to stretch the seam so well in this offense. You saw it with OJ Howard and even Cameron Brait for a while with the Bucks. I just, that's one of the coaching narratives that I, I do buy into is, sure. is Cutter using those tight ends. So I do really like Hayden Hurst. Are you kind of avoiding him now that the price is going up or is there still a scenario you see yourself landing him? Uh, probably not. He, yeah. I, because you're like you said that the price has gone up so the when you're when you're taking a tight end at that range like your your margin for error starts to shrink you know and where i'm bypassing a an upside skill position player in the ninth or whatever to make sure that i can get hayden hurst mm -hmm. on the team i yeah. agree with you that i mean matt, matt ryan's a yardage machine we we do have a couple years uh the the gap between Tony Gonzalez and Austin Hooper actually breaking out where the tight end really wasn't a factor in this offense, but yeah. you do, you, know, you, when you're talking about dirt cutter and tight ends, it, like it, it definitely makes sense to me. Absolutely. Um, and, and that kind of wraps up our breakouts. There's definitely more within the ultimate draft kit. So make sure you check it out. If you'd like to see some more breakouts, guys that are going to take that leap into the next tier or two above them, we're now going to wrap up. If you if you have the time to do the no huddle offense, you want to power uh, through it with me? Let's go. Awesome, man. So it's just going to be fill in the blank, just whatever name. If you end up wanting to expand on someone, you're welcome to, but it's meant to just kind of fire through. And we're just going to start at the top with after McCaffrey. And now I'm going to add Saquon because everybody always says Saquon. So after <laughs> McCaffrey and Saquon, who should go third overall? Zeke. The next Dalvin Cook or round two running back who ends up top five in 2021 will be? It's I think it's Josh Jacobs. What is the favorite fantasy team name that you've either had or seen before? Demarius Targaryen. I love that. That's fantastic. Thanks once again, Mike Ray. I apologize for that sudden cutoff there to end the interview. My disc space filled up. I had, had no idea I was even getting close. So unfortunately, we we're not able to run Mike through the entire no huddle offense. Maybe we can catch up later this summer and get his thoughts on all those questions. But man, what a great interview. So generous with his time, his insight, his answers again on breakouts this year. Hopefully you guys picked up as much as I did from listening. And if you don't mind reviewing, and if you haven't yet, subscribe. We still have so many great fantasy wolves coming on to close out this amazing summer of guests. Thanks again for tuning in, Wolfpack. And until next time, Wolves out. At least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, first effort, touchdown, oh.
football right there, folks. 